Good to see you. You all doing all right? Very good. Um, my name's Matt. Um, I uh, work here at church, um, and it's my a privilege, actually, to be able to speak to everyone and to read a bit of the Bible. But really, how do you follow those stories that uh, Chloe and Sarah have told? You can't really follow that. Um, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So if you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, I'm sorry for the next 15 minutes. Um, there's drinks outside. You get a drink. Um, it'll be very nice. Um, I want to talk... Uh, this evening. We're taking a little break in our um, series that we're looking at at the moment. So our series that, um, that we started last week um, was on shame. Um, we felt like probably let's not talk about shame when people have just given their lives to Jesus. Um, so we're doing a little baptism uh, special now, but we'll be restarting that next week. So I just want to give a little plug actually um, to last week. Um, Claire's talk that she gave um, was incredible on shame. Um, and we know that's a really significant thing that lots of people face that lots of people experience. It's actually incredibly damaging for people. Um, and so I just want to say, check that talk out. Uh, it's on our, our website. It's on YouTube as well. Um, have a little look at it. Next week, we're going to be continuing that series. Um, so that's when it'll get all, all good. Um, but it is going to be good this time because I want to talk to you um, about pivotal moments. We have lots and lots of pivotal moments. Right now, when we just baptised Chloe and Sarah, that was a really significant and pivotal moment. Um, but for all of us, in all of our lives, we go through pivotal moments. Um, they might be small, like this morning, I had to decide, do I have a bacon sandwich for breakfast, um, or do I have cornflakes? Pivotal. <laughs> it's going to define my whole day. I'm either going to feel indulgent, bacony, full, um, or I'm going to feel kind of cornflakey and morningy and ready to go. Um, pivotal moments. Sometimes they're more significant moments, like, actually, do I start my day in prayer, or do I start my day with a big to-do list? They might even be moments um, that are really, really significant landmark moments that are, do I change my job? Do I buy a house? Do I start going out with this person? We all have pivotal moments, whether they're small or large. And this evening, I want to encourage us, this right now is a pivotal moment for us. This is a pivotal moment for you. And we're going to dive into the Bible. I don't know if you heard from Chloe. She loves her Bible. Um, so I'm giving you the heads up now. If you don't have the Bible, um, get on your phone. You can download it, the Bible app. It's a wonderful thing. We're going to read a good chunk of the Bible. Um, but I want to encourage us, before we go into reading the Bible, um, to place yourself within this story. And so when we're reading it and when we're uh, talking about um, this Bible verse, and to give you the heads up, it's Luke 24, um, verse 13, all the way through to verse 35. It's a good old chunk that we're going to be reading together. So that's where we're going. Um, but I want you to place yourself into this story. I want this story to overlap onto your life. I want you to get yourself into the Bible, like what Chloe shared um, so eloquently, um, that the Bible is life-changing. The Bible is a living word. And when we read the Bible, we should expect that this is going to change something about who we are. It's going to be a pivotal moment. 
Um, so I just want to pray for us before we read. You might be really familiar with the Bible. You might not at all. Um, the words are going to be on the screen, um, or you can get it on your phone. Um, I'd encourage you to keep it on your phone. Keep on looking through it, because um, we're expecting that God is going to speak to us through this. Um, so I'm just going to pray now and, um, and welcome the Holy Spirit, actually, to speak through these words. Um, so Father God, we take a little breath now, all of us after all the many things that we're doing this service, then we look to you. We ask that you would speak to us through these words, through your Bible. We ask that you would speak to us words that are encouraging, words that are challenging, words that could be pivotal moments here in our lives. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. So here's the Bible passage we're reading, and it is a journey. We're all on journeys. Here's a journey um, that we're going to be reading about. What's just happened is Jesus has just died. And two people here are going to be walking on a road, disappointed, dejected, disheartened, walking away from the place where Jesus, who they thought was going to be their Messiah, their Savior, the person that had come to free them, has just died. And here is us jumping into this passage now. And it's Luke 24, verse 13. Here is what it says. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it was the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all these prophets, all that these prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sights. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. 
There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the day and how Jesus was recognizing was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What an amazing pivotal moment for those two people. On this journey, starting off disappointed, disheartened, an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. I just want to draw out a couple of things from this passage, but also do yourselves be looking through your Bible now and thinking and, and seeing some of the things that stand out to you, some of the things that maybe for you in your situation right now, God wants to say. But the first thing that I wanted to draw out, um, and actually it ties incredibly well with what both um, Sarah and Chloe were saying, is it's interesting what Jesus said when he met with those two people. And I wonder what you think Jesus would say if he walked in right now. If he came, sat by you on this empty seat next to you, there's not many empty seats, and so maybe comes and sits on your lap. What do you think Jesus would say to you? What would be his first words to you? Do you think Jesus is someone who would come down and say, I know what you're doing. I know what you're like. You horrible little human being, you. I know what you're thinking about your neighbor, Terry, and how noisy he is. I wonder if you think that he would come to you and he would say, I know how selfish you are. Horrible little Matt, you little hoarder, keeping all your stuff. You little you little rat. <laughs> I wonder what you think Jesus would say to you if he came and sat next to you right now. That's an amazing thing here because we know that Jesus, real life Jesus, was fully God, fully human. He knows everything. He knows our inner thoughts. He knows what we're doing, what we're saying. But what we see Jesus say here in verse 17, the first interaction with these two people is Jesus says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? It's, hi guys, what are, you, what are you chatting about? What's going on? See, Jesus is so relational. And we heard that in both Chloe and Sarah's story, that um, it's not just head knowledge. It's not just stuff that we learn, uh, stuff that um, we might have grown up with or we hear at primary school in RE or something that our friend our neighbor Terry um, thinks about and, and believes this isn't just head knowledge stuff. This is real life Jesus, fully God, fully human. And his first thought is, I want to get to know you. What are you talking about? Can I chat with you? So the first thing is Jesus is relational. And I want, I want you to hear that for the first time. And actually, if we read through the whole of the Bible, we see this um, throughout the, the parables that Jesus uh, says, the stories that Jesus um, talks to us about, is we see that Jesus is, that God is a loving father. We read a, a parable of, uh, of a, a son that goes away, that leaves his father, that spends all the money, that um, go, and you think, oh, what a little... What a little toe rag that guy is, um, having all his fun and going away and spending all the money and uh, getting in loads of trouble. And he gets in loads of trouble, he comes back, and you think, oh, surely he's going to get a telling off from his dad. 
But what happens is, is he's welcomed by a father with arms wide open that comes running out to him, that meets him. If you don't know Jesus, or maybe your relationship with Jesus got a bit jaded and you think Jesus is one that's going to sit next to you and say, I know what you're doing. What we see from this story is, and what we know from the real Jesus, is that he is relational. He wants to get to know you. He would come in and he would say, how are you doing? That's the first thing. But I don't know if you also um, noticed it as we went through there, um, that these people were incredibly disappointed. And actually what we read is that Jesus revealed himself to them. And it's a funny thing, because actually if you read back through the Bible, you'll see that the prophecies, the words that were told about Jesus, um, actually they say that he in three days' time will rise after suffering in three days will rise and what we read um, later on in, in, in this little passage that we've just read is that this is day three so it's day three already it's three days after Jesus has died and what do these guys do is they're already disappointed they already are dejected they're already walking away downhearted if they knew what was already being said and if they were actually disciples and followers of Jesus they should know that on day three he's going to rise again but they can't even wait it out beyond day three <laughs> and I don't know if you put yourself in that story would you just at least stick around to the next day <laughs> surely you stick around to day four and maybe maybe Jesus might come back but disappointment discouragement can be really formative for us it can really shape what our relationship with Jesus actually looks like and I don't know if you're if you've been a Christian for a while or maybe when you were a child growing up that um, you went along with your grandparents or your or your parents and you've just through the wear and tear of life have just got really disappointed Life's hard, isn't it? And when we follow Jesus, we think, oh, yes, our life is going to be wonderful and we're going to be kind of Christians that are floating around on the clouds and everything's going to go swimmingly. And we can hear amazing stories like Sarah and Chloe's. We can think, yes, life is going to be great. And you can hear and see in other people's lives, maybe, the promises of God that are, uh, are actually being lived out through people's lives. You can see that some people just have peace that doesn't really make sense. You see people just have such a firm sense of their identity, of who they are. And you think, oh, well, that's not me. I'm downcast. I'm disheartened. I once heard this stuff. I should know that I've got to stick it out to day four. But even on day three, you're struggling. And what we see this second part here, and what we see Jesus do in, in verse 25, he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, it's not Jesus saying, how foolish you are. It's a, oh, guys, <laughs> let me help you out. Verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, that was Jesus. 
See, what Jesus is doing here is he is revealing himself to the two disciples. He's saying, guys, don't be disheartened. This was all meant to happen. Did you not see me here? Did you not see me here? And I sort of wish that we actually had written down that Bible study. Because how amazing would it have been just to have the like prototype Bible study of Jesus throughout the whole of the Old Testament. That we could just sit people down and be like, hey, just read this a little bit. I don't need to run small groups anymore. Um, just keep on reading that bit. Uh, because that's going to be the best Bible study you've ever read in your life. Um, but we don't get that. We get an invitation. We get an encouragement for us when we place ourselves into this. For us to find out. For Jesus to reveal to us individually, to you individually. We get an invitation from Jesus that he wants to reveal himself. The promises that the Bible say that are true for us now here. Jesus wants to reveal those to us now. Maybe even this evening, this could be a pivotal moment for you. Are you feeling downcast? Are you feeling dejected? Are you feeling down and out? I believe that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you this evening. Because not only does Jesus want to relate to us, not only will he reveal himself to us, but we see at the end of this passage, the real revelation is that Jesus is risen. And what that means is, as we had actually modelled here by, by Chloe and Sarah, we don't just put all our stuff onto Jesus. When Jesus was taken to the cross, it said that he became sin. He became the bad stuff that we do, the bad stuff that we will do, the bad stuff that we have done, maybe even the bad stuff that we are doing now. Jesus takes that on himself. But here's the revelation, is he doesn't just die. We don't just put Chloe and Sarah down in the water and then hold them down. <laughs> he doesn't just die and take away everything. Actually, the good news from this story is that Jesus defeats death and rises again. And this is the risen Jesus. And what that means is that it's not just we come to church and or we, um, we go to Jesus and we say, oh, we're horrible. I've done this. I've done that. I feel this. I've acted this way to this person. I've acted this way to you, God. And we just, that disappears. And then we do it again. And we come back to church again. And church becomes like sin management. Actually, what that means is that when we go down and we say, God, I'm so sorry, we know that Jesus takes that to the cross. Jesus has already taken that to the cross. He's died, it's gone, it's forgiven. But more than that, Jesus rises again, and we then rise new people, new humanity. The revelation here is that Jesus has risen, not just Jesus has died. In verse 30, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Later on, as they were kind of reflecting, those two guys, they were saying to each other, in verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
to when Jesus, this has been a flashback for those two guys at the time just before Jesus died when he broke bread with his disciples. And what would those, these two have seen as Jesus broke the bread? They would have seen the breaking of the bread, but they would have seen Jesus' wrists as he'd been crucified, two holes in his wrist. They would have been reminded and would have gone, this is Jesus, the risen Jesus, here and now. And the result of that is their hearts burned with fire. There's something about when we come into the presence of Jesus that brings life. And this is where I want to, to come into an end um, because I want actually to give us an opportunity now. Like I said, this is a pivotal moment. I actually believe this could be a pivotal moment for, for you, for me, for us together, for even for those that are watching online as well. When you encounter Jesus, your life will change for the better. When you encounter Jesus, your life will change for the better. Could this be a pivotal moment for you? See, what this gives me a, a flashback to is um, actually at the very beginning of the Bible, you see two people walking with God, Adam and Eve. And they eat a fruit from the tree and their eyes are opened, revealed to them is sin, is destruction, is decreation. But here you have two people walking with God and their eyes are opened to Jesus. The fruit of the vine, the first fruit, the tree of life. Here, Jesus is revealed to two people that brings them life, a life to the full. Actually, that's a promise for us too. I just wonder now, as you place yourself in this story, as you actually apply this to your life, as we reflect together, I wonder now if we could come into the presence of Jesus. Because when the disciples go back, um, as these two completely spin around, as they literally pivot around, go back to, to Jerusalem, Jesus um, reappears to them and he says that he's going to leave them with the Holy Spirit. Actually, what that means for us now is that we are left with the Holy Spirit. That is God with us now. God here with us. And when God is here, anything could happen. Could this be the moment on your journey when you encounter Jesus afresh again where Jesus wants relationship with you where Jesus wants to reveal himself to you as the risen Jesus I wonder if we're able to stand together um, if you can and we're just going to take some time to respond we're going to go back into worship as well um, but I just want um, I actually want to create a bit of space um, for you to be able to respond to that and to apply that to your life. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask um, the Holy Spirit to be here with us. I'm actually going to ask that God will, um, that you will meet God now. And maybe if you, you want that, sometimes we like to put our hands out because it shows, hey, we're open, we're up for it. We want it. There's something about how we physically use our bodies that shows that we're really up for welcoming the presence of God. 
So if you want to, do just put your, your hands out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it too. Father God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you, Jesus, that you are risen. We thank you that you are life. You bring life to the full. Thank you that we can come to you, put all our stuff, all our rubbish, all our sin on you. I thank you that you take that. You take it to the grave. It dies. It goes away. Thank you that you've risen as in we can rise guilt-free, shame-free, true humans. So we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Each of us in our hearts, we look to you. We ask you to be here, to be in us, to be filling us, to be meeting us, to be speaking to us, to be encouraging us. One moment in your presence is a pivotal moment that can change everything. So we ask for that, God. We ask for a pivotal moment right now. Where there's discouragement and downcastness, you would raise our spirits, you raise our eyes up to you, Jesus, who is ultimate hope, is ultimate love. God, encourage us, each of us, Maybe there's some people that have never, um, that actually don't know Jesus. It's actually the first time, and maybe this even feels a little bit weird. But that invitation to relationship with Jesus is for all of us. It's for you. You're not an outsider. You're not on the fringe. You're not alone. You're not unworthy. You're not unloved. Jesus loves you, welcomes you, wants relationship with you. Maybe this is the moment for you to recommit to your lives or maybe for the first time to commit your lives to Jesus. And if that is you, I'm just going to say a little prayer. It's something that you can do yourselves in your heads. You can even whisper it if you wanted to. But I do pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me thank you that you died for me. God, I'm sorry for the things that I do that are wrong. I give them to you. I ask you, God, that you forgive me. And I thank you that you take that away, that that dies. That's now no longer me. Pray that you would rise me up, you'd raise me up again. Clean, washed, fresh human being. Your child. And God, help me to live for you the rest of my days. We do have little gifts for people. They're called Christmas discovery packs.
<laughs> we'll get those rebranded. Um, but if um, that was you, and if you did um, want to grab one of these, um, we've got lots outside. There's also a couple that I'll pop up here as well. Um, we also have a really high value here at church to pray for people. Um, we're going to have a little bit more um, worship. Um, and uh, if you maybe felt something, <laughs> maybe when we were praying together now, you were like, oh, there's something going on. Maybe there's something that you need prayer for, any need, whether it's physical or emotional or, or whatever it is. And we'll have some people that will just be down here um, that would love to pray for you. It's a really safe space if you're brand new. It's a safe space. Um, what they'll do is they'll just, um, just pray for you. Um, so we're going to go into that time now. Um, I'm just going to hand straight over to you guys. So do come forward and do um, get some prayer. We'd love to be able to pray for you.